Welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Come on to the theatre. Hi, diddly dee. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Manx Theatre Podcast With me, Neil King And me, Neil Callan Thank you to everyone who's listened to our previous episodes If you're new to the podcast, welcome along and thank you for joining us You can still listen to all of our previous episodes through our accounts on Facebook and Instagram As well as all the usual podcast outlets and manxradio.com forward slash podcasts Coming up on this week's podcast, in Act 1 I visit Neil and the cast of Wind in the Willows at their rehearsals last Monday night and manage to grab a bit of a chat with each of the people as we were going along. Then in Act 2, we delve into the archive and find an interview I did in August 2019 with sound engineer and regular visitor to the Isle of Man, Alex Liddy, whilst he was on the island for Singing in the Rain. But first, without any further ado, let's dim the house lights and raise the curtain on Act 1 and my visit to the rehearsals of the Service Place production of The Wind in the Willows. It's Monday the 26th of October and I've taken a little punt up the stream from Podcast Towers to Toad Hall, or in this case, Elam Church Hall in Onken. As tonight, I'm here to watch rehearsals for the Service Players production of The Wind in the Willows, which is at the Gaiety Theatre from the 5th to the 7th of November. I've brought my microphone with me, and whilst there is a lull in rehearsals, I'll see if I can manage to grab Toad and his friends for a quick chat. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast with Neil King and Neil Callan. So I'm up at rehearsals here for, for Winter the Willows. I'm joined by Dr. John Snelling. Good evening, John. Good evening, Neil. How are you doing, John? I'm very well, thank you. Somewhat busy this week, I have to say. We're uh, sort of living Wind in the Willows uh, for the next couple of weeks, rehearsing pretty well every night, but we need it, so that's good. Brilliant. So you're playing the part of Badger, is that correct? I am Badger, yes. So how's, how's that going for you? Um, it's a great part, actually. I did this um, this play, this version of this play, about 20 years ago and played Toad. Um, and so I started out thinking I was going to miss him terribly. But I have to, I've become quite fond of Badger, I have to say. He's, uh, I think I've grown into him because he's a, he's a fairly sort of grandfatherly character. Uh, and um, there's a sort of hint of Winston Churchill about him as well. So I'm quite enjoying that, that sort of characterisation. He's also a bit grumpy, which also suits me quite well right now. Marvellous. And uh, he's probably not quite as... Uh... As, as, as energetic as Toad, apart, I suppose. No, although, in fact, he does uh, head up the, 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 the fight scene with the weasels uh, in Act 2. Uh, and uh, for some odd reason, I've been cast as, uh, as the sort of sword-wielding protagonist uh, with, my, with my trusty cane. So I'm really looking forward to that. Marvellous. Great. Well, best of luck. Thank you very much. I'm joined now by Chris Kane. So, Chris, you're playing Mr Toad. I am indeed. There's a lot of green involved. Yes. Yeah, I've seen some of the pictures already with the, with the moustache and the eyebrows and the hair and glasses and yeah, it's going to be a, a, an interesting sort of pre-show makeup session for you, isn't it? Uh, well, it's less green than Shrek. That's all I can say, really. But there's still, yes, it's quite, quite a lot of green to get on before I go out there. But uh, lovely character to play, of course, Toad, a famous literary character, which was part of my childhood, and I dare say yours as well. Oh yes, yes. I mean, as, as a child, there was there was a wonderful sort of animated TV series that was on, and yeah, a lot of my friends we we all, we all watched that every every night after school. It was great. So I remember the radio from my dad, which oh. was a different one again. And then, uh, of course, much more recently, the, uh, there's been a musical which came out only two years ago, uh, which was at the Palladium, which uh, has a new book written for it, and that's brought the show back to people's attention again. And the version which we're doing, of course, was done uh, at the National Theatre, and uh, it was famously done, and they had such a response, they were asked if they could bring it back. I think it was a 20-year gap between shows, because basically they had to build the theatre around the set. Of course. 
there was a lot of revolves and hydraulics, which were not taking the gaiety apart. I just <laughs> want to assure everybody of that. But yeah, it, it, but it's of course Alan Bennett's script, really witty, lots for uh, the adults as well. It doesn't stray away from the story, but it just adds a little frisson or a bit of an edge and comedy to some of those scenes. And it's a, it's a bit of a family affair this time for you as well, isn't it? Well, it is. It was nearly going to be the full family, other than commitments of, uh, of one senior member, uh, well, less less senior, one, my wife. Keep, uh, but, keep digging. Yes, <laughs> I'm already in the hole, I might as well keep digging. But yes, I've got both children as well, so that's a lovely opportunity to do that. And for one of them, it's uh, it's his first time on the gaiety stage, so that's going to be great fun. So he's probably about the same age as you were with your stage debut, are you? Uh, now, Josh is quite a bit older now, because he's coming up to 15, but Jemima will be the same age as when I first stood on the Gaiety stage as uh, Friedrich von Trapp in The Sound of Music uh, back in, oh gosh, a long time ago, uh, 1971. My word. So um, You were just a twinkle, I think. D- yeah, not even at that point, yes. It's that a, a few years before I was around anyway. Um, but yeah, obviously, you're, you're no stranger to the stage yourself. You've been in, in many things over the years. Uh, well, it's been a second home to me. I know that's a, a cliché statement, but it really has. I feel, uh, you know, we've been so amazingly lucky to have the great resource, which is the Gaiety Theatre, and indeed the Villa Marina, and the other arts facilities, which have, uh, you know, proliferated around the island. And uh, But the Gaiety is, is something special about it. And yes, I've been lucky to do, I think, at least two shows pretty much every year since, <laughs> since then. So uh, I'm, I'm going to keep going until I get it right. <laughs> Two shows a year since 1970. Well, it's been more in a few years and occasionally, uh, but yeah. Yeah, that, that adds up to, to quite a few shows then, doesn't it? It does add up to quite a few shows, yes. You might ask, what am I doing still there? Can but, you remember them all? Uh, I, yeah, I think if you've got the time, I probably, <laughs> I probably, I probably, I probably could remember them all. I think starting with the uh, the musicals, I did I did a number of musicals with the Choral Union, which introduced me with, a, and strangely actually, and, and very challenging for the choral back then to do The Sound of Music and Oliver, only three months apart, two big, really? two big children's shows. That's a lot, an awful lot of work to pull together. There's a lot of rehearsals there for just three, two shows three months apart. But then uh, fortunate to have a number of different plays and opportunities to do that. When I was at uh, university, I came home and still managed to fit the shows in there. And then during that time, I set up my own theatre company, which was called Bedlam, which was specifically for the students when they were returning to the island to give them something because they missed all the other show dates, you know. But, uh, no, lovely thing to do and an absolutely uh, great show. Fantastic cast, a very big cast. So it's been a, a lot of a challenge to pull this size of cast together and we haven't even tackled the technical side of things yet, but it'll be coming very, very shortly. Yes, yeah, it's, it's probably one of the biggest casts in, in a service player show for quite a few years, really, isn't it? Uh, it is. We had a lot in Blackadder's Christmas Carol. Actually, mm-hmm. that was quite a big cast because it covered lots of different scenes and, yes. and, and changed around quite a bit. Dad's Army was another big cast, of course. The Lower Low was actually quite a big cast. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it's it, it's nice to do something different as well. Uh, I mean, we occasionally get commented that, oh, the service players, they're the ones who just do those things off the telly, mm-hmm. aren't they? Well, and, and very much we aren't. Uh, the history of the service players, of course, goes back to John Pertwee being stationed on the island uh, in the war. And uh, the service players, the Legion players, both sat very comfortably next to each other, one predominantly doing murder mysteries and the service players doing farce, of course. So I did a great many farces when I was a younger man. And it was really uh, a conversation between Alex Brindley and myself looking for something different to do for 100 years uh, of the Great War, which brought Black Adagos forth about, which was the first... Mm the first television adaptation we did and at that time not only had it not been done anywhere but it wasn't available as a script it wasn't necessarily available to perform and it was a last night party from Noises Off where Alex and I had this discussion and we both said what would be great would be Blackadder Goes Forth and I uh, 
probably emboldened by a few glasses of something. Uh, <laughs> I said, leave it with me. I'll get in touch with them, uh, whoever they are. But uh, I'll get in touch with Ben Elton and Richard Curtis if I can. Yeah. And see what they say. And they, when I finally got in touch with them, said, show us how you're going to do it. Show us what you want to do. If you're happy to give money to our charity, then, then we'll let you go ahead and do it. So, and, and that started that. And I'm, I'm very glad to say that perhaps I believe we brought a lot of people into the theatre for those television uh, tributes that maybe wouldn't be ordinary theatre goers. And hopefully they're all very much enjoying it. But it's brought big houses for us, which has allowed us to fund doing all kinds of other theatre. Not always at the Gaiety, but the other great performance spots around the island. Brilliant. Well, I won't keep from rehearsals much longer. Um, but um, it's only a couple of weeks to go. Uh, I wish you the best of luck with the rest of the rehearsals. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Cheers. Simon Fletcher, welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Thank you, Neil. So this is a... Well, actually, welcome back, really, I should say, because uh, we spoke to you... Well, Neil spoke to you earlier in the year for Sound of Music, didn't he? Uh, he did indeed, yes, yes. Um, yeah, back in January, it was. Yeah. yeah. So that was probably one of the, the few shows, actually, that managed to happen this year, just before lockdown came in. That's right, yeah. We were, we were very lucky to get to the show in just before before lockdown um, so yeah very lucky it's, it's um, great that we've been able to reopen again on uh, on the island and uh, so we've had one play on already and um, a couple of other things at the Gaiety so uh, so great that this can go ahead and uh, much luckier than the people across in the mainland in... so you're playing Ratty this time around I am yes yeah it's uh, uh, yeah it's a big, big challenge I, I've never read Wind in the Willows I was sort of vaguely familiar with it familiar with it but uh, I've, I've never read it as a child or anything so uh, it's been uh, a lot to take in in a very short space of time because I've sort of only been doing it for the last sort of five six weeks really since I finished last night with prom so it's 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 all been a bit hectic. <laughs> a bit, bit of a change from the, the musicals where you've usually got about four or five months to, to get into the, into the groove. That's exactly it you know I've had chunks of dialogue in the past in shows and it's not been uh, too much of a problem but <laughs> learning it this quickly is proving a big problem for me. <laughs> As you know I've seen some of it tonight. <laughs> well it, it seems to be going really, really well I mean there's you've got a few weeks there's a few weeks left to, to, to go and there's a bit of, bit of polishing to be done should we say? Uh, a lot of polishing, yes, because we get into the theatre at the weekend. So uh, yeah, it's um, it's coming down to the last sort of uh, <laughs> the last leg now. But you know, we'll we'll get there. Brilliant. Okay, thank you very much, Simon. I'm joined now by Gemma Varnum. Welcome to the Nice Podcast. Hello. So Gemma, you are playing the part of Mole. I am. Yes, um, for the second time, weirdly, because um, I was in the show about 19, 20 years ago with the Legion players, and I've ended up in. The same part. Oh, so you played more last time as well? I did, yeah. So how is how's the two productions differing for you? Um, I'm trying not to compare them too much because obviously every production is different. Um, I can't really say one's sort of better than the other, but um, yeah, it's, uh, things are sort of coming back to me, but I'm, I'm trying to do things a bit differently this time. Excellent. So this is one of the first things that you've done in the play, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, done lots of acting with lots of different groups and somehow... Never managed to, to be in a service place production before, so it's it's nice. They're a really nice, welcoming group. Um, and yeah, I've been a very nice time. Excellent. So you've got a couple of weeks to go now until, until the big show, and yeah, it's it's getting down to it now. We're uh, having those last few rehearsals before getting. So uh, yeah, hoping to sort of see a show come together. Right. Well, best of luck for the show. Thank you very much. I'm joined now by Darren Webb. Good evening, Darren. Good evening. Welcome to the Max Theatre Podcast. Why, thank you very much indeed. This is the first time for you, isn't it? It is. I'm uh, popping my cherry, as it were. 
Marvellous. <laughs> so, um, in Wind of the Willows, then, you're playing the part of Albert the Horse, is that correct? Albert the Horse, indeed, yes. He's a, he's a miserable chap, bless him. Um, very fun character to play. He's got a lot of character to him. Um, but he's just, yeah, he just plods along his way through life, but uh, always looking on the cup half empty rather than the cup half full. But, uh, yeah, he's a very fun character. He's, he's very lovable. And you're getting to wander away from your, your own accent as well, are you? Yes, uh, he's uh, listed in the, um, in the notes as being a Wolverhampton cousin of Eeyore. So I've got to go all sorts of right into the Midlands and talking about yo going out and all that type of thing. Marvellous. <laughs> yeah. But well, there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of... Um, how's the best word to say? It's a bit of, bit of abuse here, is it? Uh, yes, he's a horse and horses get patted quite frequently. Uh, in places that they don't really enjoy. <laughs> yes, I get my bum smacked many times. Normally by Chris Kane, which uh, not a pleasant experience, really. Yeah, and you enjoy it, really, don't you? I love it. Now it's good fun. It really, it'll get, it'll get some giggles from the audience. I'm sure it will. So. Yeah, it's good fun. Really good fun. Marvellous. Well, wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much indeed. Hope to see you there. Well, I've managed to drag Toby Smith away from rehearsals now. Toby, welcome to the Monkey Theatre Podcast. Many thanks, Neil. So you're playing Chief Weasel. Yes, I mean he is the uh, the leader of the bad guys, if if uh, if you can put it like that. So um, yeah, there's uh, there's four of us in, in my in my evil gang. Who's in your gang? Uh, I've got uh, another Weasel, I've got Norman Weasel with me, played by uh, Bob Witcher, uh, and I've got Silverstoat, played by somebody who I'm not sure is a bit of a newcomer to the scene. He's a guy called um, Neil. King, I'm not sure if you've heard of him before. I, I'm vaguely aware of him, yes. Uh, and then we have um, Frida Ferret, uh, played by Sharon Walker. Ah, so there's a, there's a fair bit of experience there amongst you, uh, your, your weasel gang. Absolutely, there's a lot of uh, evil potential there to be <laughs> tapped into, yeah. So, and I also noticed that you're uh, sporting a, a rather fetching weasel tash. No, it's absolutely hideous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, it's, it's going it's to be some kind of uh, little pencil type thing. Um, but yeah, I can't sport as much ginger as you, unfortunately. <laughs> that comes from my Viking heritage, is it? So. Oh, I see. Is that where? So, um, so you're, you're getting, doing quite a few plays now with the service plays, haven't you? Well, I've done a few over the last few years, yeah. yeah. Uh, get into one and then before you know it, you're, uh, you're doing every one. Well, it's very easy to do that now, nowadays over here, isn't it? I mean, even now that, uh, even this year with, with lockdown as well, where things sort of stopped for a while, but now that we're back open again, everything seems to be sort of motoring on and there's lots coming out the woodwork. Yeah, it's definitely picking up. I mean, we're even, uh, you know, we're in the middle of this, but uh, we're also in negotiations with somebody else about doing another play next year and already thinking about one act and how many one acts we might be able to put together. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting times and it's definitely picked up again. Brilliant. Well, a couple of weeks to go. Ten days, or less. Marvellous. Well, all the best, and uh, we're looking forward to coming to see it. Uh, yes, and uh, I believe you're coming to the matinee, so no barracking, please. I can't guarantee. Oh. That's the barracking, not, not the attendance. Oh, I see. <laughs> Toby, thank you very much. All the best. Cheers, Neil. I'm joined now by director Robin Higgins. Robin, welcome to the Max Theatre Podcast. Uh, welcome, thank you. So, Wind in the Willows then, the 5th to the 7th of November at the Gaiety Theatre. How's it going for you so far? Uh, you know, the usual bits of uh, pulling your hair out and uh, <laughs> cursing behind, you know, at the wall. But uh, no, it's coming on great, actually. 
Um, you know, there's always loose ends and things to tie up, but actually, some of the characterisation and some of the development and, and some of the guys are really, really bringing it together. Though, you know, at the moment, even though they might be might be having in, internal panic attacks. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Alan Bennett version of the of the original sort of Kenneth Williams classic. Uh, Kenneth Graham. Kenneth Graham. Yeah. Sorry, Kenneth Graham. Uh, that would be, be, be a different classic. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, how does this this differ then from from the original? Well, actually, in terms of the, the story, I mean, it, it it's it sort of sticks fairly true to the story. I mean, you sort of have the the admittance of, of the sort of bit of the, the chapter with Pan, which which lots of versions uh, make. But essentially, it's it's very true to the story. It's just, of course, it's it's Alan Bennett style. So. Um, you know, think tweeds and, and country attire, and, and of course that that dry wit and, and humour which Alan Bennett is so well known for. Brilliant, and we've got all the, the usual hitters in there. There's the caravan and the motor car and uh, the train. There is there's a caravan, motor car, we have a train, we have a barge. Um, crikey, I'm trying to think what else. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty, plenty of things to build and plenty of things to. Um, sort of move around and whatnot. So this is your, your first time directing at the, at the Gaiety, yeah? This is my first time at the Gaiety, yeah. So, I um, mean, it's, it's, it's certainly not a, not a small one to start with. Um, you know, you, you know, quite often we do sort of straight plays and things in the, in the, in the service players, um, you know, all sorts of different styles. But yeah, so this is, it's not a musical, but there are songs in it. Um, which has been nice because my, my background is, is sort of musical performance is, is, is what I've got my degree in and things. Yeah, it's been nice to bring some of the musical style to it whilst not being a musical, I suppose. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, then it's, it's quite a large cast, isn't it? What's, what's been the biggest challenge for you so far? I suppose, I mean, the logistics of it are difficult. Um, and of course, it's just keeping everyone, everyone happy in what they're doing and that they feel that they've had enough time to rehearse the various parts. Yeah, inevitably there's, there's some bits now which we've rehearsed, rehearsed a lot of times which have come together really nicely and there's other bits that, that we need to sort of keep going over and um, and I think a lot of it's just nerves. Uh, you know, there's, there's a huge amount of, of words to be learned for some of the characters. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sort of uh, panicking about anything in particular. It's, a lot of it, it will be getting it together in the theatre, bringing the lights in, bringing the sound in, bringing the actual movement, like you say, the caravan, the working parts and... Um, yeah, <laughs> and hoping the cast can cope. Yeah, set and scenery often make things a little bit more interesting, don't they? They do, yeah, and it's certainly when it's when it's moving and things. So we've we've tried to sort of, of think about ways in which we can try to perhaps minimise some of the more um, extreme movements that would would be there. Uh, the caravan certainly posed a bit bit of an issue because, of course, it has to be pulled by Darren, who is our Albert, and that's with three people on. So that's, that's Chris, Gemma, and Simon. So. Yes, but we've, uh, we've worked that one out now, I think. <laughs> Marvellous. And there's, there's a wealth of talent there amongst your, your, your lead cast, with, with, uh, with Chris and with Gemma and with, uh, with Simon. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they're going to be fantastic. Yeah, and we've been really lucky. Because I mean, it's, it, it's such a large cast, it's been really nice to actually sort of uh, invite people and, and ask people to come and join us. Sort of, and especially people that haven't done anything with us for a long time, um, and and new people, you know, new people is always good, and we're always after new people in, and um, yeah, we've really looked out, I think, in in the cast. I'm really happy with what we've got. Brilliant. So the show then is the fifth to the seventh of November. There's four shows in all, so it's Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, and Saturday night. Um, so tickets obviously are on sale now, and uh, well, yeah, we're just over about a week and a half away, and that's it. You're off. Yes, uh, yeah, we're in the theatre on 
on the first row get in so that's the big set build day and then we've got lights and technical stuff to get done and dress rehearsal Wednesday and then that's it bonfire night is our opening night and away you go and away we go with a bang brilliant well we wish you all the best and uh, we'll hopefully get to speak to you again soon thank you very much thank you you're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast with Neil King and Neil Callan. Well, that was my chat with the cast of the Service Players production of The Wind to the Willows, which runs at the Gaiety Theatre from this Thursday, the 5th of November, through to Saturday the 7th. And there are two performances on the Saturday, with an afternoon and an evening show. And tickets available from all the usual outlets. If you're interested in local musicians and artists, check out our sister podcast, Supergroup, where Neil King talks to Manx songwriters and musicians as they set up their fantasy supergroup. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Now it's time for Act Two, and our archive chat with sound engineer and regular contributor to the Gaiety Theatre, Alex Linney. Right, so on this episode of the Manx Theatre Podcast, we're going to look at the people that are involved and the, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that you wouldn't necessarily normally see in your, your everyday visit to the theatre. So joining us today is Alex Linney of Linney PA Systems Limited, who looks after the sound on the majority of musicals at the Gaiety. Welcome, Alex. Hello, Neil. So, Alex, then, you live in Dalton and Furness. That's right. It's uh, South Cumbria, near Barrow and Furness. And you travel over for, for each of the shows that you do. That's right, yeah. I would normally come over on the uh, boat on the Ben McCree. Now, it's actually not that far as the crow flies. It's about, I think, 35 miles or something like that. And from just up the road from our house, we can see across to the Isle of Man. Unfortunately, it (laughs) takes me about five hours to get here normally. (laughs) So you're not an island resident then, but probably the uh, the amount of time you're spending here, certainly in in recent years, it probably feels like you are. I typically on average would come here five or six times a year Uh, last year i was here more because i was covering for one of the uh, in-house technical staff at the gaiety who was off long-term sick so i spent probably maybe five months or something last year here but uh, no i come normally it's about five or six of the bigger shows typically musicals that i come to the gaiety for yeah so initially it was probably just the one society that you came over for i I originally started in 2002 and that was to do a one-off which was to show evita which was a co-production between a uk company and the manx operatic society right yes that was anthony williams wasn't it that's correct Yes. yes. So, yeah, so AWP. And uh, I got involved because they were looking for a sound operator basically to do this show in the summertime. Uh-huh. And somebody who I worked with at uh, Butlin's holiday camp right. uh, recommended me to them. Excellent. So uh, so I came over to do the show there. And then following on from that, I started doing coming once a year to do uh, productions for the Manx Operatic Society. But uh, then. I did that for probably about about five years, and then in 2007, Taylorian Productions started doing the summer season at Gaiety. So I started doing that, Mm -hmm. and then kind of things built up from there, really, and I started coming more regularly to the island. get pulled into the the DCU. Well, that's right, and some of the shows I got asked for... uh, because the technical requirements uh, were getting more complex. Mm-hmm. So uh, with the DCU, for instance, they were doing a production of Les Miserables in uh, 2009, yeah. and they said they needed to use uh, 38 radio microphones, which are the microphones uh, people where the actors would wear on their head, basically. Uh-huh. So that's quite a large number, or it definitely was at the time. Yeah. So the person they had doing that said, this is, we can't do that, that's impossible. So I said, well, it, 
I can do that, then that's how I ended up getting yeah. involved with them. Yeah, because when I first started with the Manx Operatic in 99 for Hot Mercado, there was probably four, maybe five head mics altogether, well, and that was right. it. In the last, in the last 20 years, uh, the sound side of theatre has definitely become a lot more, more complex in general, really. Some of it is because of people's expectations. I think also there's, there's more modern musicals now out there which have a different style yeah. as well and some of those it is more of an amplified sound mm-hmm. and and not a traditional one really so so there's a bit of a mixture of but the, the requirements have got a lot more complicated so having worked then on on many get-ins and, and get-outs with many shows over the years it, i think it's probably fair to say that you're usually the first man in and, and the last man out quite often uh, the lighting crew also have a lot of equipment usually but uh, most of the shows I do at the gate, uh, I supply all the equipment as well, or 90% of it. Uh-huh. Uh, I typically would use all my own speakers and amplifiers and my own mixing desk and microphones. So there's a lot of equipment set up. And then you'll have orchestra, the orchestra pit and amp- uh, microphones for the instruments and things like that. And sometimes I'll have things like surround sound speakers positioned around the theatre. Yeah. So there's yeah there's quite a lot of equipment. So what's your kind of process then? Is there a certain amount of things that you need to get done before the main bulk of the so the lighting and set goes in, and then the rest happens sort of afterwards as it's ongoing? If I was setting up a show at the Gaiety, typically I would be doing the stuff in the auditorium, setting up the speakers and the mixing desk and things like that, whilst the set and the lighting was going in. Because so I'm not getting in the way of the, what's happening on the stage, and then I would move to that sort of area later on. Really, it's quite good when I come to do shows regularly at the gaiety because i have a sort of a standard setup so i can pretty much revert to that each time and start with a base if i was going to some other venue it might be a longer process because i was having to start from scratch so i do have like a sort of base setup that i go back to typically I suppose knowing the theatre like like you do, it probably has has its benefits in that aspect that you know what to expect yeah. when you go in. And... Well, well, it's a lovely venue. It has its uh, peculiarities as well. I mean, I'm sure when it was built, it, the amplified sound didn't exist. Oh, no. <laughs> it's the same in a lot of venues. The gate is... Now, they have some in-house sound equipment there already, but unfortunately, the mixing desk they have is upstairs which in in what you would call either the gallery or the gods yeah but in the gaiety they've got a, like a domed ceiling so up in, upstairs in the gods the sound uh, the acoustics are a lot different right so down in the stalls and the circle because down in, in the stalls which is the lower part of the theater there's lots of carpets and plush seating so the sound it's very dead there right. and you and you would need quite like artificial reverberation to make the sound more live but when you're up in the gods it's everything's bouncing around with the ceiling yeah so so it's a lot more lively but unfortunately if you're trying to mix the sound from up there then it doesn't really translate very well down into the lower part of the theater so typically i use my own mixing desk and would sit down in, in the stalls myself and i've generally done that for the last few years occasionally i might come and do a smaller show yeah and uh, use the in-house equipment because it obviously take if it was something for like one or two nights yeah. it wouldn't be practical to set all the equipment up but 
I prefer doing it that way, definitely. So then once you're set up then, and it comes to sort of opening night, is, is that you sort of done, or, or as the show goes, are you constantly sort of tweaking and, oh, yeah, and, and yeah, working? Oh, yeah, you definitely have to adapt. I mean, there's a, there's lots of factors that are changing. The, the size of the audience, the sort of the reaction of the audience makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, I'm doing this uh, singing in the rain at the moment for the Taylorian, and yesterday I felt that the audience was more subdued than other shows and and you've definitely got to change the overall levels to adapt for that you also get it where different actors may sound different on Mm -hmm. and you have to adjust their settings maybe they've got even if they've got like something like a cold coming on or someone's feeling a bit tired today like that yeah yeah. you've got to or the even the positioning of the microphones on their heads if that changes even by a couple of centimeters then that makes a huge difference so you have to compensate and uh, also we've had on this show as well where they've had different players in the orchestra so someone's done the first week but then say the flute players changed for the the second week and then they play different so you've got you suddenly think oh well that suddenly sounds twice as loud on that bit so you've got to be no you have to become constantly adapting yeah and i guess i guess suppose with with the sound then very much like like lighting in a certain way so you can have quite a, a control over the show i mean a friend of ours sarah holland she likes to sort of say you know when she's working the corner depending on how long she holds the blackout and things like that can can almost control the the how long the the audience applauds for at the end of a number y- yes well you could do that um with sound things as well sometimes i have cues like that where you you're going to start something else and mm-hmm. like you say sarah says about holding the applause you can do that i mean not always on a musical but sometimes that with shows when i'm playing backing tracks yes. and things like that you or can sound you effects can def- and things yeah, yes yeah. that's right so it's not just the gaiety then that you've worked in over here you've you've done shows at the villa marina as well haven't you yes obviously it's a different style of venue the villa and but i don't just do theater productions i also do sound for uh, live music and uh, bands and i actually i think i I enjoy the variety of doing different styles of events i think if you just keep doing theater shows and musicals all the time it's a bad thing anyway get stuck in a rut yeah i I, well some of my interest isn't just actually like mixing the shows i have the i'm interested in the technical side as well so Mm -hmm. it's like fault finding and uh, making something work really i'm quite good really if someone tells me that something needs to happen then i will go and learn how to do that that's my one of my strong points i would say you don't know how to do it you'll soon find out how yeah well if I have to go and learn how to do something on my own, then I, I can usually come up with something like that. But no, I've uh, helped do. I do. I've done sound for uh, people like Alfie Bow at the uh, Villa and yeah. and things like that. But he came on. He did like a sort of a warm up tour. Yeah. And uh, he, normally, a lot of the bigger acts at the Villa would bring their own sound engineers with them, and you would be just typically helping them set up, and yeah. then they would mix the show. But you know, I did an Alfie Bow show there, and he just came on his own with the band and it was quite low key and right. then i mixed that and it was quite good uh, i've done a few things like that and s- sometimes they also have more theater related shows over there and charity concerts and yes. things like that so I, I do like the variety you're listening to the manx theater podcast with neil king and neil callen what's your preferred type of type of show then or type of concert to do i i don't think i have any one in particular i say i i think i've gravitated to theater a bit more for the technical complexity of it because mixing live 
band, say a rock band, yeah. I wouldn't. In some ways, it's simpler. It's it's easier for someone to just go and mix a band than yeah. a, a musical. I think because you can go and sort of listen to a lot of like musicians saying in like a pub band or something like yeah. that you could mix the drums and the guitars and the vocals and then it would stay fairly static yeah. the balance throughout the evening you might turn up it there might be a guitar solo or something yeah, like yeah. that but that's more like you you're not sort of turning different mics on and off all the time no. and things like that it the, the theater requires a a much greater degree of concentration oh, yes, I, yeah. I think well I, I mean i've had some disasters in the <laughs> past before where because really you you're in total control of the microphone so basically when somebody is off stage their microphone shouldn't be on yes uh, if it, you'd, you don't I, want to be hearing what's going on in the wings <laughs> no, no well i i remember it doing a show once and it was a uh, the king and i and uh, this was when i was still doing the sound upstairs in right. the gods at gaiety so you can't really see what happens very well yeah but uh it got to a, a point in the show and there's a, a section in the king and i where it's a uh, a ballet section there i think and uh but they had a narrator in it so it, the narrator's microphone i if i'm following the script correctly i would turn that microphone on at the start of the scene and she's meant to go your majesty uh, that was the first but yeah. but i turned this mic up and then there was uh, several expletives from the dressing rooms <laughs> because they he wasn't on stage yeah yeah they, yeah they'd forgot either I, i'm not sure i can't remember if it was that they were they'd forgotten about it or they were late doing a scene change yeah. so yeah it's sometimes good to look at the stage before you <laughs> before you put the mic up yeah y- yeah <laughs> and i guess obviously the more mics you have in a show the the more possibilities for for, for accidents like that to happen well that's right yeah, yeah no it is difficult and you basically the technique you would do when you're mixing a show is do what's called line by line mixing so it say you've got eight people on stage in a scene yeah you you typically wouldn't leave all the microphones on at the same time uh-huh. uh, because the, the the so if somebody's talking you would probably have all the mics on at a low level and then bring fade each one up as each person says right, the okay. line and now obviously as the number of microphones has risen uh, then you've only got a certain number of fingers <laughs> so so if you're doing a show with um for, say 30 microphones then it's impractical for you to have all 30 microphones laid out in a row and try and mix that manually yeah so you typically would use a certain amount of automation on the mixing desk right, to okay. group things together to help you achieve that really yeah. so Otherwise, say, you'd need another couple of arms and yeah. an extra few fingers so say for instance you it's 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 common now for in a musical to use the people's radio microphones for when they're doing chorus singing yes. which didn't always used to be done in the past it was only the principal mm. cast who would that but now they're wanting to sort of do that so i would typically if they've got a chorus number i would have all the male chorus group to one fader yeah. and then all the female chorus group to another fader so i can push them up just with two fingers and yeah. then all the 
principal cast have separate but then that would change in another scene of the show yes. so i would have memories in the mixing desk which alter the routing during the show to what comes up on different faders so different songs then have different groupings different groupings and things like that right so tech week then is obviously very very busy for you but then once the once the show opens then with the exception of maybe a little bit of minor maintenance on microphones and things as it goes along i guess a lot of the time then is is, is free to yourself so what what do you do to keep yourself I do like to get out and about in the Isle of Man. I mean, it's a lovely place to Mm. visit. It would be a shame to stay sat in all all day. Typically, I would uh, go and, like you say, do some maintenance in the morning. So, for instance, today I've been to the Gaiety. I would usually go there from about 10 in the morning to Uh lunchtime and do things like check radio mics and change batteries and fix anything that's broken. But Uh in the afternoon, I might get out. I like cycling sometimes there's a bike i can borrow here yeah and uh go places like that I like going up hills uh walking up places like snaefell and uh various you're a bit of a, a radio ham as well aren't you? yes well that's why i partly like going up the hills as well uh talking to people on that uh, uh i do that every once in a while sometimes it, you have to bring equipment with you but uh obviously snaefell is a uh, i think i'm trying to think out exactly how high it is but i know it's over two thousand mm. feet and uh, i've talked to people in the uh, south of england from up there wow. with only with a small radio and things like that that's impressive range isn't it yes yeah, so, so no I, that's a good thing to do really excellent right then so over the years then obviously you've seen seen many shows at the at the gaiety and and, and elsewhere around the, the north of england where we normally work but what's been your favorite show to work on i think it's difficult that i've liked i liked doing things like a uh, phantom of the opera mm-hmm. here some of it there's uh, there's a bit of difference between i think what your favorite was in terms of technical yeah. complexity and sense of achievement and whether you like the musical itself i think yeah. there's a bit of both ways with that uh, i liked doing a ghost the musical but uh, this was when i did it in york a few years ago and right. i liked that from a technical point of view because it required the uh, sound lighting and av departments working in harmony right. together to create special effects and i I was very proud of what we achieved with that in general. But I say some other shows I enjoy for more for the music and uh, the style of it, really. I, I do like the variety. I, I This is why, partly why I do this sort of musical, really. Yeah. Uh, more like smaller scale and amateur kind of things because i i'm not so sure i would like doing one musical for years at a time eight shows a week for two years yeah yeah yeah, no that doesn't really appeal for me i i think like a couple of weeks run or one or two weeks run and then move on to something different especially if it's a show that you're not overly keen on as well i suppose because when you see a show that many times i think if if it's a show that you like it must must be great but if it's a show that that's not particularly one of your your favorites then that's right well yeah i think you can like most things i think if you you've got to have an appreciation of musical theatre yes. and I think you can appreciate most things I've sometimes things you don't like but usually for me if there's something I'm not enjoying it, it may be for another reason yeah. really I, I also like it when you've sometimes it's difficult with things like if the orchestra is really loud because you're trying to fight against that and things <laughs> like that yeah. So, so there's yeah, there's other reasons where you enjoy things. Yeah, there's always challenges there to to get that level just right, I suppose. Yeah. So then, is there, are there any shows that you'd you'd like to do? So, and the shows that you'd like to like to say, right? I'd love to get my hands on that one and do something with it. I'm trying to think. A lot of the stuff that's available to do, I've probably probably done probably done in yeah. the kind of like amateur field. I mean, the, 
yeah, a lot of apart from newer musicals, I've probably done most. Yeah, most things really. Again, again, a lot of these. I know there's a lot of musicals. There's like this uh, Hamilton, which is, yeah. and that's like in a sort of hip hop. Yeah. That with I, I would quite like. I mean, it's quite things like that are quite interesting to do because the mix in the styles. Now I don't know yeah. what what that would be like to do because a lot of the time it the appeal to it is really sort of uh, you've got to make theatre shows sound exciting, mm-hmm. but it's a balance between having the, the dynamic range to it as well because you don't want people to go away with bleeding ears and <laughs> no, i think no. something like that would be that that sort of thing where you've got to kind of get that right right really so but no i've done a lot of different shows i would say uh, most of uh, over oh, coming to the isle of man they've been very lucky because they've done certain shows that aren't available to amateur yeah. groups in the uk like I say again with things like Les Miserables with an a, an adult cast that's not allowed to yes, be done because in, in the UK, UK yeah, it's, it's, it it's has a youth to be production, a youth yeah. production. So and I've done that twice here. So the Isle of Man has a lot of uh, some certain privileges. Yes, that that bit of water, although very expensive, it does it, does do us a lot of favour sometimes. Yes. Right then. So the final question then: Has there ever been anything that's ever tempted you on stage? The only, uh, I I don't think my. Uh, musical career probably is about to start uh, <laughs> i i did when i first when i was a teenager i was uh, in bugsy malone wow. as the character fizzy right. in that uh, but and i was doing the sound at the same time which was interesting <laughs> but not obviously not in the audience yeah. uh, at the side of the stage but then i kind of retired from a uh, musical theater after that uh, i did used to be a reasonable singer so but uh not so much these days i would say so what you're saying is that maybe we could tempt you back on stage at some point well i wouldn't completely rule it out eh? wonderful brilliant well alex Lenny, thank you very much for your time glad to, that you came to join us on the manx theater podcast well thank you very much thank you you're listening to the manx theater podcast thanks again to alex Lenny for sparing the time to chat with us back in august 2019 so that brings episode 18 to a close Remember to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages to get notifications of upcoming events and episodes. If you have any events that you'd like us to talk about or promote in a future episode, you can contact us through our social media accounts or by email to manxtheatrepodcast at gmail.com. All that remains is for us to say thank you for listening and we hope you join us again next time on the Manx Theatre Podcast. I've been Neil Callan. And I've been Neil King. Goodbye. Bye-bye. The Manx Theatre Podcast, taking a look behind the scenes of Manx Theatre. Men actors' life for me.